0: Welcome to episode number 442 of the Plane Talking UK podcast. I am Carlos, and in this week's show, our friends over at the Blades Aerobatic Display Team have sadly performed their last show, and the airlines, on top of a pilot shortage, are now facing an airplane shortage. In the military news this week, the latest version of the F 16 Fighting Falcon takes flight, as well as some unexplained aircraft which are spotted. So joining me this week over in the PTUK Master Suite Studios, bringing down that background music fader, it's Matt Smith.
1: I'm going to leave it up just to annoy you now. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. You you can have that playing in your ears for the rest of the show. Oh, uh, oh my word! <laughs> Hello, you're right. It's, it's, like a ba- it's like a bad
0: time on park, isn't it? Like, right. Hey, you know, now look,
1: go, no, no. <laughs> when things go wrong, no need for that. No, because anyway.
0: it's always you who gets the call when things yeah. do go wrong. Anyway. anyway, enough of that. How are you? Oh, hey, I'm, I'm blooming marvellous. I've had a I've had a day of um, driving half well halfway across the UK. Yeah, well, two As hours anyway. It four hours four hours is it? oh
1: okay right well right. four four and a half if you want to be technically correct okay right <laughs> I, I don't when have i ever done that i'm never i'm never yeah. technically correct <laughs> with 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 me uh, regular break you know as usual yes, as yes. us
0: drivers have to legal you know, rules, legal no,
1: requirements. to be honest with you it's been so long since i've had to do anything professionally i've probably forgotten more by now <laughs> yeah, i know so um how are things in the world of uh ptk master suite studios uh, yeah, lovely. I, I I must admit, one of the n- highlights for me at the moment during this cold snap is coming into the studio where normally I'm sort of you know sweating like you wouldn't believe. It's actually quite nice and toasty in here. <laughs> just like I might come and I might come and live in here. It's lovely and warm. You wait. You, you've got you've got the, the the tap two
0: towers, about thirteen laptops and yeah. all the monitors and everything in there. Just the two laptops today. It's all right. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> slumming it this week. And joining us this week, he's back again as always, it is our aficionado of everything at seat 1A and BA, it's Neville Bounds.
2: Yes, and there'll be a lot of that going on on Sunday because I'm off to Barcelona for our big audio show that the company does oh, with good lots Lord. of other people. So I'm looking forward to that, although it'll be very tiring, so I won't be on the show next week, so I shan't be back in time, unfortunately. But uh, this week has been spent um, getting ready for it all, and it's going to be a bit hectic by the looks of things. So uh, looking forward to it, seeing all my industry chums, as I say, and uh, just having a generally a-, a good time. So uh, that'll be good. and All in um, the name of
1: work, of course.
2: It is all work,
1: <laughs> yeah yes and there I'm, will be no alcohol drunk
2: well i've actually been um i've lost some weight in uh, january specifically to give myself <laughs> a bit of headroom for uh what the next what's, week is what's bring. forthcoming yes um, <laughs>
1: uh, yeah but um, no
2: all good thank you very much and uh, looking forward to a fun packed show as always oh
0: good yes well we've got tons to get through tonight as well and not forgetting joining us he's back this week it's the man who's been to las vegas airport more times this week than elvis did in his entire
3: music career it's armando ah my command control center has been tracking me just fine thanks yeah well you stole my intro pretty much sums up my my whole week uh it's just crisscrossing the country about four different times pretty cool though um by the way, for the record, driving four hours in the U.K. is like driving 10 hours anywhere else. <laughs> wise. <likewise. laughs> Oh yeah, true. Yeah, especially like
0: all, all the time with the roads. You know, when you get on the main
1: roads, and you're like, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know what you mean. I think Carver roads are absolutely glorious. Yeah. I, I was always lucky that when I was doing my professional driving, of course, I was driving a vehicle with air suspension, so it was all very cushioned oh, and smooth. Oh, I wish. I, I wish. know.
3: I know. I, think isn't I would it? rather do aerobatics in the space shuttle <laughs> than drive a lorry in <laughs> right. the UK. Right. Okay. Trust, Trust me, notice. it's not fun. It's not
0: fun. Yeah. But um, but no, I, it's been it's been good tracking you this week on uh, Monday. So, obviously, you, like I mean, I said, you say, you, you say str- tracking, you mean stalking. Stalking, right? stalking, yeah, yeah, yeah. sorry, stalking <laughs> you this week. Um, one of the questions I was going to actually, or one of the things I was going to mention actually, Amanda you've obviously been to Vegas a few times and um, I, I was looking at that they actually was he, did Is sell... playing the
1: slots, is he? Yes.
0: he? No, they actually did sell um, Elvis's uh, Jet was it Jetstar or Jetstream aircraft a few weeks ago. They actually sold it for
3: just over $400,000. What? Yeah, that's right. I guess uh, we'll jump right into the show. But, yeah, a little bit of a follow-up. <laughs> I think it's a YouTube personality, a guy that does restorations, bought it, and uh, I think he's going to try to put it on a truck or something like that and then restore it back out in California. Is, is that in the show notes, then? Um, it's totally not. Okay. Oh, right, I'm no, sorry.
1: The way you said it, I, I thought, like, oh, my god, he hasn't read the show notes again.
0: <laughs> no, no, it's not in the show notes. Don't panic. <laughs> and, and just one last thing before we start start our proceedings, Armando. Because of the amount of times you did actually fly to, to Vegas this week, do the controllers not just kind of sit there and go, oh, Christ, he's back again. Hey, Dan, he's back again.
1: They're not going to remember one aircraft, surely with the amount of stuff that goes in and out. Of. I didn't know there was any Australian
2: uh, <laughs>
4: in Vegas town.
1: Quite. Being offensive yeah. again. Well yeah. done.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they, 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 don't, they obviously don't say, you know, oh, hi, Armando. Thanks for
3: coming back again. Nope. They certainly don't do that. <laughs> in, in fact, quite the opposite. Vegas, you were... So I, I created a video... Uh, really, it's, it was just for the host, just to see kind of how the day-to-day life. Uh, Pip, Stephen, Ivy, any any of those guys knows the the day in the life of of a corporate pilot. But I thought it was it was pretty cool to share, and I recorded some of the empty legs. Going into Las Vegas at its peak period is very difficult. It, it's super busy. Planes are st- stacked up five miles apart on the arrival, and then three miles apart on the approach. It's uh, it is no joke. There is no time for dilly-dallying or Conversing on the radios. You can hear that on the radio. Yeah. Yeah, I heard it. I heard it. Whilst I was talking <laughs> you. Anyway,
0: um moving on. <laughs> We're gonna say hello to everyone who's joined us in the live YouTube chat room this evening. Uh kicking off this evening, Richard Adams uh was the first one in there this evening. Good evening to you. And we've got Mazus. Hello to you, Mazus, our local listener there. Uh, hobby time hello lee davies he's probably there he's got a pint in hand no doubt bill is in there good evening to you as well bill uh Dirk s hello to you graham Haley, our uh, resident uh, atc guy graham is in there as well good to see you in there uh mr warner our military aviation photographer is in there this week Masha, hello to you uh, just scroll down the list, make sure I don't miss anyone one out. Um, oh, our main man, Mike, is in there as well, wielding his blue spanner of doom, just in case we get an influx of any unwanted bots. Uh, Richard Adams. Uh, yes, he's there. I'm just scrolling down. Oh, Neil. Hello to you. Neil Lamourne. Hello to you. Pip's in there as well. Uh, Arnie. Hello. Good evening to you, Arnie, as well. Uh, Captain Cruz has also just dipped in there as well. Captain Cruz, good evening to you as well. And good evening to everyone who's tuned in this evening. Don't forget, if you are listening to our beautiful voices uh, via an audio podcast, <laughs> don't forget to. Check okay, our YouTube page. Just look for us, Plain Talking UK. And uh, while you're there, don't forget to click the subscribe and the bell icon, uh, which is right next door to be notified when Matt is hitting that live button in the studio.
1: Not normally late, it has to be said. Not normally late. <laughs> I know, I know.
0: <laughs> but uh, we have got loads of news to get through this week, uh, including our caption this competition as well, coming up later, just for fun. Uh, so if all the team are ready, it's so good to have everyone here. Everyone ready? Ready to go? Yeah, let's go.
2: Captain has turned on the seatbelt light. Please take your seats and fasten your seatbelts.
0: So the first. Story this week comes to us from airshows.org.uk and it's um it's pretty rubbish news really actually for us here in the UK because the Blades Aerobatic Display Team have announced that the 2022 airshow season was their last full year of display activities, a statement on their social media account read. They said that with Heavy Hearts, 2XL Aviation is announcing that the 2022 was the final full season for the Blades aerobatic display team. The decision has not been taken lightly. The Blades have been important and iconic for the business since 2XL was founded. They debuted back in 2006 and have been one constant during the company's expansion from just four aircraft and five people to the 30 aircraft and almost 500 employees the group comprises of today. He said, while it never will never feel right time to draw a line under the world class team, the epitome of aerial excellence and the challenges of global economies, the worsening cost of living crisis and the protracted hit to the disposable incomes this is causing have exasperated the challenges facing the Blades display team. This comes amid a continued uh, degradation of the airshow circuit, with more and more events being lost, meaning fewer opportunities and uh, to display our showcase, our uh, sponsors to the public. Together, these factors prompted 2XL's board to consider the future of the Blades. Regrettably, we concluded it's the unsustainable business model in the best interests of our employees known as we need to take action to redeploy our resources elsewhere within our fast-growing company, they said. The Blades themselves are valued employees and ex-military fast-jet pilots and support staff with desirable skill sets. We hope to retrain and redeploy elsewhere within the business as we seek to meet increasing demand for 2XL's innovative aerospace services. The consultations are ongoing. And the offer... 2XL's co-founder director said the Blades will live on in spirit, the legacy of the airshow world, and in the collective memory of our highly valued sponsors through our supporters and the legions of people who've both watched the team from the ground and those who've taken flight on our unforgettable experience days to enjoy close formation aerobatics and become part of the Blades Flight Club. It's been our greatest pleasure to entertain everyone and provide a once-in-a-lifetime experience as one of the original Blades pilots, I had the privilege, he said, to lead the team for several years. The concept emerged from the many requests he had during his time in the Red Arrows to make members of the flying public and to meet them. That was impossible due to the flying restrictions of flying civilians and military jets, but it made them realize there was potential to provide the experience of a lifetime by taking paying passengers aloft for close formation aerobatics. During 17 flying seasons, the Blade delivered millions of people, saw the team display that thousands have ridden on board the aircraft. They owe a great debt of gratitude to every one of them, but most importantly, we must pay tribute to the pilots who have flown with the team and to the grand staff who supported them over the years, especially to those who delivered the final season in 2022. With the Blade's traditional professionalism and flair, they will be missed. Now, we've been lucky... As a team, to be able to send the blades uh, display at various air shows over the years, whether it be at Farnborough or Riyadh or other air shows here. They also flew at um, Old Buckingham here as well um, a few years back as well. But um, we actually got to have Mike Ling on the show, didn't we, guys? Mm.
2: That was a great interview, wasn't it? Uh, Mike gave us a lot of his time, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, So it's It's, um, really special. It's a shame. I mean, you can see the reasons why. I mean, a lot of the things do come down to money nowadays. Unfortunately, the air, show, um, air
3: shows are few and far between. Yeah, And Pip had a good question in the chat room, whether it's just a public displays or are they going to continue doing some of the corporate events? Um, it's a good question. I, you know, it's, it's kind of, insensitive probably to reach out to them now but maybe in a couple months we can reach out to those guys and kind of talk about their experience and and maybe have them on the show to pay tribute but Mm. i know some of the teams that i know here in the states it's so much i don't know if this was their full-time employment but it's just so much work so much wear and tear on the aircraft and and as when we you know talk to the team manager for the red arrows there's just so much that goes into putting on a display that i can't imagine it would be sustainable to just do it a couple times a year getting all the permissions for corporate events or you know i'm I'm just curious what's going to happen to the aircraft what's going to happen to the pilot i mean the pilots will be fine generally it's, it's sad but i'm sure they'll gain other employment somewhere else I guess I, I mean I guess uh, if if pockets are deep
1: and and checkbooks are large, then I guess anything's possible in terms of corporate events and of course the Blades were the only um, uh, team where you could actually be a passenger with them, wasn't it? I mean that was part of the the appeal to it as well, wasn't it? Being able to do uh, do stuff like that, but um,
3: yeah, they'll probably still be able to do something like that. I know the British Aerobatics Academy um, do rides. You know they do events where you can pay and have your team go out to their airfield their home airfield and and go do some 30 minute aerobatic rides but you guys know it's the the regulatory part of this the it's just getting so hard to do anything the insurance Mm. companies are really buckling down on everything in aviation it's just hard it's a lot of work it beats you down
1: yeah i can imagine yeah
0: that's a shame they will be missed unfortunately from the uh, air show circuit especially here in the UK very much
1: so um, very much so as I say we were very as you as you alluded to earlier of course we were very lucky to have a, a long a very long and open chat with Mike I think that yeah. will be one of the few interviews I think that will really sort of resonate with me for I we'll have to get uh,
0: John to look up what episode that was on I, I forget mm. which episode uh, Mike was on yeah but uh, anyway moving on to the next story Oh, 369 apparently, 369 if you want to look back at that interview. (coughs) Uh, Moving on to the next story. It's not a Ryanair story, just for a change this week. So we thought we'd given them a rest this week just for a change. But Nev's got a story all about Boeing.
2: Yeah, it's on airlinerwatch.com, nasa.gov, aero society.com, and nasa.gov press releases. Uh, it says that Boeing is exploring the possibility of introducing a cutting edge plane it has been developing alongside NASA into its lineup in the next decade, Boeing's CEO Dave Calhoun confirmed. The US plane maker is scheduled to fly a prototype of the single aisle jet, which could potentially replace the 737 MAX later this decade. The plane is designed with extra extra-long thin wings connected to the fuselage by diagonal struts which could help reduce drag and fuel consumption. The concept has been in the works for almost 15 years. Engineers from both NASA and Boeing have been working on a new aircraft design with technological upgrades to its engine uh, that could reduce fuel consumption and emissions by up to 30% when compared to the Boeing 737 MAX and Airbus A320 NEO. Such gains would meet the standard needed to launch a commercial airplane, Calhoun said on Wednesday during an earnings conference call. Last year, Boeing's uh, CEO, Calhoun, uh, appalled Wall Street with the announcement that the aviation giant wouldn't be investing in a new jetliner this decade in order to try and close the gap with Airbus in the narrow-body market. However, last week, Boeing received a $425 million grant from NASA to develop a new range of eco-friendly jetliners with the aim of bringing them to the commercial market in the 2030s. Boeing and its partners will be investing another $725 million into the project. The new jet, which has yet to be assigned a snappy name like Boeing's other models, is currently known as the Sustainable Flight Demonstrator or the Transonic Truss Braced Wing amongst Boeing staff. Whilst the capabilities of the jet have yet to be determined, it's unclear if the concept could be applied to wide-body jets – that are designed to fly long distances. It will definitely have a role to play someday in the narrow body world, says Calhoun. Well, this is all possible under the funded Space Act Agreement, which basically empowers NASA to contract work that fulfills NASA's mandate to private firms uh, that it sees fit. And this contract was released for tender last year, and Boeing seems to uh, be the favourite. Actually, NASA and Boeing already partner on similar projects, including the eco-demonstrator project that we've mentioned previously on the show uh on episode 328 uh as a matter of fact so um yeah that's interesting isn't it it says that the concept has been in the works for 15 years and they're going to have it flying by well early 2030s so interesting but yeah uh, to try and save even more fuel and make the whole thing more more sustainable by by the looks of things
1: I'm not surprised that it's intended as, a, as an alternative to the 737 Max, I have to be honest, because let's be honest, that has been a total disaster.
2: <laughs> well, <laughs> with, with, with people, talk, turn, people calling turning it now. different names, you know, yeah. the, the, the Max 8200, <laughs> or the 737, 8200, you know, stuff like this, just to try and, I don't know, d- distract from the name. Um, mm. But, yeah. Yeah.
3: So. Well, let's let's just remove the Max from that, right? A lot of the criticism from the Max was that it was just lipstick on a pig, right? Uh, the Max is 737, <laughs> still a 737. But it's nice to see them go for a clean sheet design like this. Uh, I think I remember a couple of years ago saying this this mock-up at the Boeing tent in Oshkosh. I think they've had it there for a couple of years. They've been working on it. But to receive the funding uh, is a pretty nice step forward. And I like how the story says... It's yet to be assigned a quippy name. Well, there's only one number left, so that they haven't assigned. So maybe this is the future uh, Boeing seven nine seven and we have just introduced it to the world. <laughs> wow. You, the heard, tricky you, news. you heard it Co- here first. Copyright yeah. that
0: copyright that. <laughs> Quick. Jonathan yeah. Warner makes a
3: good point in the chat room. He says it looks like an ATR. Yeah, you can you can see a lot of cues from a lot of other aircraft, but um you, you know bill in the chat rooms also you know talk about engines I, i'm sure that boeing is going to after the 737 issues will probably go full clean sheet on this one
2: mm. and make the landing gear a bit longer too perhaps so they can put so in.
1: so forgive i mean forgive my na- naivety yeah. here because i'm the first to admit i know naff all about these airplanes um but rubbish. the the you know the the, the the like the supporting strut that they're putting under the wing i feel like
3: that's a step backwards no, no not necessarily i think i think with uh, nerd alert i think with computational fluid <laughs> computational fluid dynamics nowadays can render some pretty accurate aerodynamic models and they wouldn't put it there uh, if you looked at the uh biha uh concept that had a similar design to it so a lot of these uh sort of converging wings and and different angles of wings i'm sure they're <laughs> well we don't have a story in the military about this but there was actually a story this week about an aircraft being developed for the u.s air force that is does not have any movable surfaces so it's got no ailerons no ele- elevators no uh, stabilators or ruderons or whatever you want to call it it's literally all vectored air so i think the traditional way that we see aircraft is going to change significantly in the next 10 years with the advancement of of uh, aerodynamic science right and and we'll probably see some designs like this where there may not even be movable control surfaces out on on these um, commercial aircraft in, in addition to military aircraft Wow, I think I just lost you, Matt. Sorry.
0: Well, soon we won't need none of this anyway, because we'll have transporters like they do on Star Trek. So,
1: Right. Oh, I
3: can't wait for to walk down into the kitchen and I can just say, Replicator, give me lasagna. <laughs> <laughs> will that be your go-to food, will
1: it? Lasagna, always lasagna.
3: With if, if my food Replicator can make a good lasagna, then I'm in then okay. i'll take a stab at the uh transporter okay right <laughs> okay <laughs> um yeah, we, we uh, just went full nerd on this hang, yeah yes. i say hang on go
1: go go sorry pop that up again please john uh pip was actually saying rather interestingly or at least i thought it was interesting uh it's not necessarily all about me um but uh, he was saying i'm sure the strut is lift producing and super low drag there you go
3: yeah absolutely even yeah. um you know guess you- most people don't even think about it but even the fuselage creates a little bit of lift so yeah. Pip is right that every- everything will be about high lift low drag
1: and uh dirk is saying guess you win more uh making the long main wing possible with that strut than losing due to extra weight or drag of it yeah we'll see Okay. Lovely. Good. Excellent. Nerd alert. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll be we'll be well
0: and truly climbing our pension by the time this aircraft comes. Pension?
1: There won't be any pension left by the time we oh, get yeah, there. True. Uh, <laughs> that's true. Uh, Bill is saying okay. that. Uh, Bill is saying the design of the wings doesn't look like it'll hold much fuel, though. Good point. Good point. Would th- Would
0: that? Would there be fuel?
1: Yeah, but if you, no, what? they'll bring they'll yeah. bring
0: air-to-air refuelling in for passenger
1: aircraft. Right, OK, yeah. John is suggesting that perhaps it might be so fuel efficient they won't necessarily need the extra fuel. I guess you could put tanks in, in the hold somewhere if necessary, could you? I guess. I, I don't know. Yeah, apparently they do that already. OK, all yeah. right. There was me thinking I was being really clever. Uh, we'll move on
0: to the next story, shall we? Yes, Armando. <laughs> Armando, you've got the next one, all about the, the preliminary report on that Embraer Has engine.
3: Oh. Uh, no, actually, this is Matt. Yeah. Oh,
0: is he? I yeah. skipped
1: to oh, I've skipped yeah sorry sorry simple flying this one isn't it matt uh yes. i am I'm not I'm, no, I'm no longer sure uh i'll i'll rewatch here is it? actually this story <laughs> this story is
0: ideal for you because i think you sh- you should jump into the um, right seat of a seven five <laughs>
1: No. Moving on. Uh, Captains with as little as 4.5 months seniority are getting to fly Delta's Boeing 757-767. Several sources on this, one being Instagram, one mile at a time, and also Simple Flying, uh, who never get any media fails wrong ever Uh, it's a nasty cough you've got there Carlos Uh, as the US pilot shortage continues Delta is allowing pilots with as low as 4.5 months of seniority to bid for the captain position on board its Boeing 757 and Boeing 767 fleet Uh, Delta Airlines is opening up the captaincy for its wide body Boeing fleet to less senior pilots as it contends with the ongoing US pilot shortage as first reported by AeroCrew News, pilots with as little as 4.5 months of seniority can now bid to become captains on a Delta Boeing 757 or 767 far lower than the industry standard. As noted by one mile at a time to become captain of a wide body at Delta would normally require around 20 years of seniority uh, involving several years as a first officer and then captain of a smaller aircraft. Uh, Larger planes such as the 75 and the 76 warrant a higher Rate of pay as will the captaincy role. For example, a junior FO on any plane at Delta could earn $92 an hour, while on the 75 or 76, as a captain, uh, they would bring home far more than $269 per hour airlines in the u.s struggle to find enough pilots as demand for air travel returned uh, over 2022 necessitating moves like this one at delta the lowering of required seniority doesn't mean that delta is desperate to promote whoever qualifies but it will translate to considerably younger pilots at the helm some listeners may be alarmed about the 4.5 month time frame but don't fret this doesn't refer to how long the pilot has been flying overall just the amount of time that they've spent at Delta. In other words, a new hire who accumulates 4.5 months of seniority at Delta and bids for a 767 captaincy will still possess years of experience gained with other airlines, along with all the necessary qualifications and flight hours that have been logged. Federal Aviation Administrator, the, FFA, the FAA, uh, data recently revealed that new pilot supply is stronger than demand following the sizeable investments from u.s carriers in pilot training schemes and improved pilot pay there are probably there there are there is probably never been a better time to become a pilot as competitive positions like the captaincy of a wide body at a major u.s carrier are increasingly within the reach earlier in your career and uh, yeah this i see this is a that was the one bit that was worrying me is like say essentially if you've only been with the the airline for 4.5 months but of course there are a lot of people who have perhaps been with, um, you know, let's say BA for many many years, and they decide that they're going to go and fly for some bizarre reason, who can who can only imagine why, uh, wanting to go and fly with Delta instead. And I suppose if you've got, you know, sort of ten years worth of experience under your belt flying for 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 BA, um, why wouldn't you be able to then jump into, you know, a captaincy role quite successfully um, at Delta?
2: I love these figures. No, the, 200, 269. Don't, don't speak the same language. That's,
3: that's <laughs> uh, every time that every time that Nev's remind, rem, Nev reminds us of that, I just think back to all those days that I flew in the UK just with a Texas accent, and I'm not even from Texas.
4: <laughs> I'm from,
3: like, Puerto Rico and Virginia, right? Like, <laughs> um, this is, this is an, a, a good story. I know at least five of my military compadres that have gone to delta and one of them had thousands of hours on a 757 as you guys know the air force probably has uh you know four or five or six uh 757s probably a hundred pilots or so that are very very well qualified they could easily transition into the to de- to a, an airline like Delta and then over into the left seat after just a couple months they've already got thousands of hours of PIC time um and also remember the air force the US air force if nothing else already has uh 56 KC46s which is a 767 but then you have the guys that are coming over from cargo you know the 7576 has been around in cargo for a long time it's a great opportunity for airlines to capitalize on that experience right now if you've already got a couple thousand hours in the airplane then they'll certainly be a candidate to move into the left seat fairly quickly um, and forget, uh,
1: forgive my naivety but pic what does that mean pilot, pilot in
0: command
1: it is a pilot okay. in command. Yeah. thank you sorry
0: i, I, know, um, you, I know you moan about the 75 matt but i'll tell you what we'll sling you in the right seat as an F, FO in the uh 75 and you you can according to the conversion that's 74 pounds an
3: hour well, if you're a well, cap- there you go, that's for a first officer. <laughs> that's not a bad deal, right? I to say if, a you, if, right if right you're mind.
1: a captain, it's two hundred and sixty nine dollars an hour. Well, based
3: on this article, you could just go into the left seat, Matt.
1: Yeah, true. Mm. Which no. is two hundred and seventeen pounds an hour. I mean, there is the small there is the small matter of not only absolutely zero experience flying a seven five seven. But also zero experience having <laughs> you don't ever need z-
0: experience, right. Matt.
1: I mean, I held the controls of a plane that I was in with Armando for about four minutes. Does that count? Oh,
0: <laughs> and you and you flew and you that flew is.
1: the sim at London. I
3: didn't actually.
0: Did
1: you fly sim in London?
3: Nope, I've never flown. I, ne- I never. I didn't fly it. He oh. didn't get I remember he didn't get into the simulator. However, Matt, you did fly. I have video evidence you did fly for at least 30 minutes. Was it 30 yeah. minutes? It was much longer. Much longer than that. Uh, I was yeah. I was too busy enjoying myself. It
1: felt like four. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah.
0: Indeed. Well, we should um, we should all
1: leave our jobs and go and be pilots for um, Delta. For Delta, right, lovely. Again, the small issue there, there's only one of us in the team who, who's got anywhere near enough hours <laughs> to get anywhere near it. Uh, 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 have you been type-rated on anything anywhere near that?
3: No, not at all. O- right. Only sitting in here. Oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Carlos is probably more qualified to fly the 75. five. <laughs> Sitting in his home simulator.
1: <laughs> that is a terrifying thought. Oh dear, I haven't crashed yet. An anyway. utterly terrifying thought.
0: <laughs> not not deliberately, anyway. Please, who oh, so we were just listening to John. John's
1: talking in the <laughs> at the moment. That's
0: why, why you're wondering why we're all gone silent.
1: <laughs> um, I was staring at my Alexa because it suddenly fired into life for some random reason. Don't say that say, word. Say again,
3: Carlos, can, can you repeat what John said?
1: Uh, pass.
3: was it, was it the legalities <laughs> in the U S it's, uh, about, uh, upgrades in the U S um, well, you know, uh, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. I know how it work how it does work here in the U S what I'm not sure is how it works other places. I don't know. For example, Captain Al is a great example, right? He's very experienced. I don't know. I don't know if he could go to from European airline to European airline from left seat to left seat. We have Pip in the in the chat room. Um Pip, I'll give you a couple minutes to answer that or 30 seconds to answer that. I, I do believe you can go left seat from left seat. Uh there's nothing legally that would prevent you from doing that except for um uh, maybe some high minimum. So so there's there's some additional restrictions as far as doing approaches or maybe doing uh, more advanced approaches that if you just jumped into the left seat. However, I think legally, I don't don't think there's any restrictions preventing somebody from getting hired right into the left seat. In the Part 135 world, the charter world, you can absolutely get hired on as a street captain. Um, So the regionals actually do this. Uh, For example, Piedmont and PSA into the CRJ, so you get somebody like Stephen Ivy, right? Lots of CRJ experience. Well, he could he could apply at Piedmont and PSA, and go into what's called a, a direct entry captain. So he would go right into the left seat. That that kind of model hasn't really made it to the majors and the and the low cost carriers, you know, the big airplanes. But there, you can absolutely do that. Um, hire a, a direct entry captain. And then, uh, okay, there you go, Pip in the chat room says, uh, depends on the airline, some airlines hire, do hire direct entry captains, major airlines like BA won't, it's legally fine. Um, they don't at Safe Jets where he works, they have a strict seniority list. So there you go. I, I think that's kind of the answer is, it depends on the company, but legally, there's nothing preventing it.
4: Hmm.
3: A, very, sorry. Um, a very interesting mo- topic. Sorry, most most training uh so like for example i was early last year i went to the delta airlines training center the in atlanta and i did a course there everybody yeah everybody does a everybody gets a pic type rating at the major so even if you get hired on as a first officer into an aircraft let's say an airbus a3 a320 series You will get a PIC type rating. The company makes you an SIC, but you're getting a PIC type rating. Same thing at a regional. They don't issue SIC type ratings anymore. So from day one, you are legally qualified. And we've done some stories with emergencies and things like that where you you are legally qualified to fly that aircraft from the left or the right seat. It's just a company matter.
0: Hmm. We should have a whole mm. show dedicated to this, really, shouldn't
1: we? Uh, Mike is saying I thought that the I thought there were some major licensing issues. The EU license doesn't any longer carry over to the UK license, and neither i uh, neither carry over to the US license.
3: Oh, that is a great Brexit question that I am not up to speed on. <laughs> I I'm not sure. I think uh, I, I, it did Brexit did did change things as far as the CAA and IASA. Um. I know I had some issues with a reciprocal certification. They knocked all of my licenses down one in the UK, but that was YASA at the time. That was pre-Brexit, so um, I'm not I'm not entirely sure about reciprocal certifications. I know here in the US, we've done some stories on the show where if you have an Australian license and a Canadian license, I believe you get you know a, a uh, an equivalent. So if you got an ATP and a, and a type rating. We'll give you that, but it's very few countries, I think, that the U.S. issues a NATP certificate and a type rating based on another country's uh, regulatory agency. Or it's very few. Hmm. Oof. Sorry about that. There we go. Uh, went Dirk, down, a, went D- down a rabbit hole. Yeah,
1: Dirk S. is asking, do ours as hosting command at PTUK count? <laughs> oh, H- HIC. That's another <laughs> acronym we on the show now. That's hosting command. Right. Okay. So,
0: moving over to our uh, hosting command,
1: uh,
3: Armando. I feel Next I feel like I've got a
1: migraine coming on. Uh...
3: <laughs> oh, ho- hopefully that's directed at Carlos. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so this is a this was a story that that we talked about. It's a very unfortunate story about the ground worker that was killed by. The uh, getting sucked into the engine of a of a running jet. So this happened on this December thirty first, New Year's Eve, at Alabama's Montgomery Regional Airport. This, um, this kind of made it its way around the aviation circles. How could something like this happen? And uh, I'm just going to summarize the story. What what ended up happening is after the aircraft's arrival, the engine remained running because it it had a an inoperative APU. Initially a lot of us were asking did that information get passed through dispatch to the ground handling uh team it, it turns out it did and in addition to that the ground handling team had two different huddles they basically said hey this aircraft is coming in and and, and the ground handling team was from uh Piedmont Airlines while the uh aircraft was an Embraer 175 operated by uh Envoy Air And they did have a safety huddle saying no one is going to put out the cones, no one's going to approach the aircraft while the beacon is on, while the engines are running. They had a safety huddle that said the engines will stay running because the APU is inoperative until they get ground power to it. And in the NTSB preliminary, it also came out that they had a second huddle right as the aircraft was uh, touching down as it was taxiing in. Again, the ground team did do a safety huddle. The crew did pass on all the information. Dispatch did pass the information that there were going to be some special care needed to uh, ground handle this aircraft. Even despite all of that, I think what ended up happening was the ground handler uh, that ended up Passing away was still, um, I don't know, maybe lost a little bit of situational awareness and was had already placed some of the safety cones despite the briefing that said they weren't going to do that. There were, unfortunately, this was all caught on CCTV video, and the other ground handlers were trying to wave at that uh, ground handler, trying to get her to to not do any of this things as briefed but unfortunately when she stepped in front of that engine um you know we we know what happened there at the rest but so it seems like the NTSB preliminary uh, points to that every possible safety precaution was taken um as we were all sort of just contemplating when this event happened both us here and, and over at apg i know they they talked about it and they talked you know captain nick talked about some of his procedures and uh captain jeff t- <laughs> has never had to deal with us because his he's always flown and an aircraft with high mounted engines but um just very very unfortunate incident lack of situational awareness and and truly an accident hmm. hopefully we won't see it happen again yeah, there's some terrifying. I remember for in the in the military, they showed us some pretty terrifying videos of this happening uh, on aircraft carriers. Mostly, you know, aircraft carriers have very tight spaces with edges, running things like that. Um, there's a famous video of a uh, you can YouTube it of a ground handler going through the engine of an A six Intruder and get spit out the back. He survived because uh, he had his helmet apparently. You know, broke off all the the blades, and he literally got spat out the back of the engine. But it showed it shows the immense amount of power that these engines have.
0: Yeah, I think I'll stick to gliders.
3: <laughs>
0: Less hassle, it's cheaper, cheaper. Yeah. Um, next story. Moving on. Uh, this one's from the Airguide.info, and airlines are not, what is airlines are now facing an an airplane shortage. That's w- what where the story did this says.
3: happen?
0: <laughs> as a, as airlines grapple with staff shortages and maintenance delays, they're now facing airplane shortages. According to Reuters, delegates to or delegates to the annual airline economics conference in Dublin were told that manufacturers are missing their delivery targets and that could hamper an unexpected surge prompted largely by China's abrupt cancellation of many COVID restrictions. They said we are seeing a very strong rebound in travel and air cap chief executive Angus Kelly said he thinks uh, we will see a return to full 2019 um, in the middle of the year. As of 31st of December 2022, so just before the end of last year, the backlog of aircraft for Airbus was 7,239 aircraft, including 567 of those, which are wide bodied aircraft. Uh, the Boeing Air, uh, Boeing backlog, not quite so hefty, uh, but still a lot of aircraft at 4,578 aircraft, uh, 847 of them being wide body aircraft, slightly more there than um, Airbus for those. Uh, the pandemic has disrupted supply chains for manufacturers. It's expected that shortages will be acute in the bread-and-butter narrow-body fleet. As many as 2,400 aircraft are behind schedule, and the backlog will take years to clear. Air lease executive chairman Stephen udvar told the gathering that the manufacturers had grossly misjudged their capacity and the shortage of new jets is compounded by maintenance delays. All MROs, or maintenance and repair organisations, are booked solid In part with post storage inspections that take a lot of time. As with all sorts of shortages, the ultimate result is high costs to the end user, and airfares are expected to stay relatively high for the foreseeable future. Another result of the supply distribution or disruption is the return of four engine aircraft that were retired in the pandemic. Some of the planes that didn't get built are modern twins that airlines ordered with small first class cabins. There isn't enough capacity for first class demand without the A380s, 747s and the A340s that went into the desert during the pandemic. So at least eight airlines are dusting off those planes to fill in their new 777-9s and A350s that are ready according to travel tomorrow. Just beg a question, I think, doesn't Armando, with all the aircraft that are currently sitting over in the deserts over your neck of the woods as such, you know, a lot of those aircraft that are sitting in the desert are relatively new aircraft that are still capable of, you know, flying with inspections, obviously.
3: Yeah, I I think so. I think if it really gets to that point, but those are inefficient aircraft, right? I mean, there's there's hundreds of MD80s—that's an antiquated beast, right? Nah. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Sorry, Captain Jeff. Um, now there's there are hundreds of aircraft sitting out there, but it's a it's a return on investment thing, right? I mean, how to get it back to flying to operate in and in if inefficient aircraft, uh, they may they, they and they probably do. They probably some of these leasing companies do reach into the desert and and pluck them out every once in a while.
0: Yeah, because I'm sure there was some uh, 747-8s in the Continental, I think, some of those brand new 7.4s. I'm sure there was some of those sitting in the desert as well, which technically, I know they're four-engine aircraft, but they they did have the the newer engines on, which I think are slightly more economical to run than the original kind of Rolls-Royce RB211-powered 747s, the Dash 400s.
3: Yeah, sure, surely, but uh, I bet you those engines have probably been stripped off and sent over to um, mm. operators. That's that's the most uh, valuable part of an aircraft. For Usually the first thing that gets pulled off is the engines. Mm. Oh, well, if you're listening, if you don't
0: want those aircraft, feel free to send parts over here for me. I've got room in the um, office here. Anyway, moving on to the next story for you, Nev. And we all know that Nev loves to – to burn around in his Focus ST and do donuts and, um, you know, slide around in the icy weather here in the UK. But uh, this is uh, an aircraft version of your car, Nev.
2: Yes. You shouldn't be doing it in an aircraft, though, should you? Uh, It's on simpleflying.com. That says that an American Airlines from Philadelphia slid off the taxiway into snow upon arrival at uh, PWM or, uh, Airport, uh, Portland International, uh, resulting in the passengers and crew being extricated by bus to the terminal. Uh, the aircraft, which was a Bombardier uh, CRJ 900, was carrying 59 passengers and four crew members all of whom remained unharmed in the incident. The American Airlines Flight 5280, operated by regional PSA Airlines, took off from Philadelphia International Airport at 10.47 and arriving at Portland at 12.08 on Monday afternoon. Uh, the aircraft landed successfully on the primary runway and proceeded to taxi to the terminal. As the plane made its way down the taxiway, the nose of the aircraft slid off the runway into the snow, whilst the main landing gear remained firmly on the taxiway. Portland International Jetport Director Paul Bradbury uh, confer- confirmed to Simple Flying that the incident caused the airport's primary runway to be temporarily closed. As it came down, it landed with reasonably good braking action and then went uh, to turn onto taxiway Alpha. And whilst taxing on Alpha, the nose gear slipped just off the paved surface. Since the aircraft was within the runway safety area of the jetport's primary runway, which was 11.29, uh, the runway had to remain closed until the aircraft was moved. Thankfully, all uh, all the Terminator flights were able to get in, uh, which allowed full resumption of all operations in the morning. Uh, The American Eagle aircraft remained lodged in the snowbank, whilst the passengers were bussed to the terminal. The runway was closed for several hours for safety reasons until airport staff removed the plane from the taxiway. Uh, the aircraft in question was immediately taken out of service and is undergoing a full inspection by the airline's maintenance team before returning to service officials at the airport confirmed that the runway was back to fully operational status by 1830 on the monday Uh, the incident in conjunction with an ongoing snowstorm continued to affect affect flights throughout monday a total of 24 flights from the airport were delayed between the runway closure and the inclement weather Further 18 flights to and from the airport were cancelled on the Monday when approached by local media, uh, local media, sorry, uh, passengers aboard the American Eagle flight generally seemed optimistic and relieved that the incident didn't result in any injuries. Well, that's a good thing, isn't it?
3: But yes, well, we, have, of, we have an expert of, in the chat room on this one, Micah, who actually <laughs> knows uh, Paul, the airport manager there. Yeah, he does,
2: yes. Yeah. And it's his airport. He's local, yeah, exactly.
3: He said uh, total big mess this year. Sixteen inches of snow over two days, lots of rain in between. So it was slushy. Um, yeah, I, it is no joke. It's just like a car. You, it, the runway could be great, but the moment you start turning off, <laughs> the you know that nose wheel has very little traction. So mm-hmm. if it's going to go off, it's going to go off. All and you he, can do is just shut down the very engine. low
2: speed as well. I would imagine, you know, even at just a, a few knots, it's very easy just to uh, go off the, the paved surface, isn't it? Absolutely. <clears throat> yeah.
0: So, Matt, you've got the next story, um, and
1: this—well, uh, the, the biggest little air show. <laughs> yeah, it's a—it's an unusual one, isn't it? It's. Um, yeah, it's from generalaviationnews.com and the headline is the, uh, the biggest little air show, as Carlos said. Uh, the ninth annual biggest little air show put on by the Hiller Aviation Museum at San Carlos Airport. Uh, is this why you chose this one, in California, boasted not only perfect weather, but a sold-out show. Sponsored by uh, Pixie, a San Jose software firm, the June 2022 event for radio-controlled aircraft was organised to take full advantage of the 90 minutes the airport was closed to regular traffic. Uh, local clubs were out in full force to exhibit a wide range of flying models from simple foam models to sophisticated powers powered by ducted fan engines and kerosene gas turbines that one's very very exciting i love the sound of that um there were some creative flying constructions that took to the air, such as an eagle, a flying man, and a representation of the Starship USS Enterprise. <laughs> there we go. Yes. How, on, how on earth did they make that fly? Uh, the flying started with electric powered prop aircraft, followed by uh, an electric duct, uh, ducted fan jets. A demonstration of 3D aerobatics was next, uh, using models with high thrust to weight ratios, allowing the planes to hover and perform other maneuvers not seen with real aircraft uh, rotary wings demonstrations were conducted with a racing drone and a model helicopter powered sailplanes put on a graceful slow speed show before a subscale usaf thunderbirds f-16 raised the energy back up with a high speed demo also with smoke uh, actually I, i'm sorry i've just got to go back to that i'm showing the pictures while i'm doing that <laughs> i mean i mean it, it is the, the uss enterprise in the Loosest possible term oh my word but uh, nevertheless it is you know it is what it is uh, <laughs> wow uh last was a combat demonstration which models uh, tried to uh, where models tried to cut other aircraft's streamers with their props oh we saw some didn't we see something like this at seething but with real planes
0: yeah we they had yeah. the uh, they had to the display at seething that had mm. the but it was like a little and large, there was a full size yeah. um um full size lowing aerobatic aircraft yeah. with a c with an absolute replica mini air uh, radio control one flying with it.
1: Yeah, yeah, very good display. Oh yes, I've forgotten John was there for that one, wasn't he? Yes. Uh, Once the subscale flying was completed, uh, sorry, how does one do 2D aerobatics? Good point, well made. Thanks, Bill. Uh, (laughs) Once the subscale flying was completed, the runway was reopened for a full-scale aerobatic performance as the show's finale. Chuck Coleman had that honour for this event, performing in his extra 300L. Aside from his years of airshow performances, Chuck is also an accomplished test pilot um uh, and most recently was the aerobatic fly instructor for the actors in the blockbuster film top gun maverick oh there we go i i, I love that I- i'm amazed we don't do more of this because some of these um these model aircraft are are a oh, thing to fantastic. behold anyway, fantastic. aren't they? I mean they are beyond outstanding. I those remember being two, being up, up at Beckles Matt,
0: yeah. Which is obviously our you know, our, not too far away from our local airfield here at Beckles. I remember being up there one Saturday and there was a couple of guys up there. There's a club up there that fly um scale replica aircraft up there. And watching those guys fly them, they they're I I could I just I, I would never want to try it because I'd end up putting it into a field and it would be a, a, huh. a bunch of pieces. But the 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 skill that must be involved with flying aircraft as in like replica aircraft, radio controlled aircraft like that is is I'm I just I'm in awe of them.
3: Yeah. Have you guys ever? Has anybody I've never done it. Nope. I wouldn't want to try. John John is shaking <laughs> his head no. This is this is something that I, I also remember I remember as a kid growing up in Canovanas, Puerto Rico. I remember on the drive from my house to my grandmother's house in Canovanas, uh, there was a, a scale aircraft uh, airfield on the way there. And I, I remember stopping with my dad and watching these guys fly. And this was you know, back in the 80s. Um, I would love to have somebody on the show. It's a topic that we haven't delved into. I'd, I'd love to have yeah. one of our listeners or anybody that's a professional come on to the show and talk to us about a scale aer- aeronautics i know that here in the u.s there's uh what is it the uh the academy of model aeronautics the ama that's the biggest uh scale model organization organization but uh yeah if anybody over there or over here is listening to the show please send us an email because i'd love to talk about it
0: yeah even the ones that the, <laughs> the ones that got jet engines just amaze me how they can get that you know technology mm-hmm. into a into a something that's small
1: pound uh, per pa- 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 Pound shop enterprise apparently. <laughs> yeah, they, that's the only problem with those with
0: those those replica models that you fly like that. You see these guys flying on here like that. You know, you only got to put it in the ground once, and it's it's probably. I, mean, I, I doubt whether they're you know three pounds fifty. down no, in the pound land,
2: no, I don't suppose they are, or whatever.
1: They, you know.
0: They're, Expensive things. So, to Richard that Adams a is pound, saying, a "Pound man, there might be a pound, <laughs> might be a pound, yes,
1: pound might a good point. point yeah, is, is uh, that, he, I mean, I know Matt's
0: got um, uh, obviously a drone or like UAV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that something you've you've never sort of wondered about having? Nev, sort of, a, you know, like a DJI Phantom or something like that for sort of photography or for? I love
2: mine. I was, uh, I was flying no, last week. It isn't. I, I, it, for some reason, it just doesn't do it for me. I'm afraid. And oh, really? Knowing some of the neighbours that we've got round our way, there's the uh, complaints uh, left, right and centre, even if I was operating it perfectly legally and with, you know all the competence that one needs i I guess that's the thing that we're quite so i'm just not going to go there because it's it's difficult enough parking your car without without world war three breaking out
1: yeah yeah yeah, absolutely yeah and we're we're very lucky where we are of course carlos because we've got plenty of um places that well fields and places where you can sort of fly them and have fun without having to sort of where i was doing i was actually on um uh in uh, in yarmouth on in the dunes um and went for a walk and my drone's got like a gps tracker type sort of thing on it so you could actually go for a walk and it would literally just follow you so it, it's like picking up a signal on your phone and then just sort of, once you so once you sort of lined up the shot you could then just keep walking and uh, and and do that i deleted all the videos I, in this i think the i'll no, stick shame to paper airplanes no no, no it's i'll awesome. stick to paper airplanes no it's it's
0: just cheaper it's a cheaper option if I crash it, it costs nothing.
1: Well, I mean, you have to work really hard. I mean, I must admit, I have crashed it a couple of times. Fortunately, there are some pro- propellers that uh, – the extra propellers that came in my kit. It was a very good drone, to be fair. But, uh, yeah, I, it's uh, – I have crashed it a couple of if, – if you fly it when it's windy, then it serves you right. Um But… Uh, <laughs> but yeah if if you sort of fly and and I did that I did do that once where I was flying in an area where it was fairly uh where it was quite sheltered until I got above the building, and it literally sort of hovered very nicely flew around did some because we were trying to film the my friend's roof uh because they thought they'd got a leak and we were trying to see if it was a tile that was loose or something like that, and it was absolutely fine, got it above got it, as soon as it got above the rooftop that was it woof gone <laughs> and it oh, took, cap
0: cap ridiculous wits, definitely do that yeah if you um yeah. ask your friend who who flies them yeah
1: yeah okay yeah. yeah you have to put a little more context in that if for those who are listening online <laughs> oh
0: cat ridiculous wits is saying in the chat room he knows someone who flies um you know radio controlled egg. oh brilliant yeah yeah definitely um, he's going to see if he's interested We he might might be able he's also an american airlines
3: pilot as well so Oh
1: hello awesome. to, <laughs> two birds of one show
3: i know, I know. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna to have to delete that <laughs> When we have him on the show, we're going to have to delete that. but
0: oh, uh, <laughs> who he <yeah>. works for. <laughs> he, he flies for um for um, a major shiny legacy shiny, shiny shiny aluminum airlines. What do we call them? Acme, red, white, and blue. Right. I'm gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> no. go.
1: I'm gonna go and have a lie down in a darkened room. I think aluminum
0: <laughs> airlines. There we go.
1: Oh dear.
0: Anyway, Armando, <laughs> Armando, let's
3: let's chill. Let's cool things down here a bit with this next story, Armando. I love it. Great, great segue. Uh, from the catacombs of aviation, the Alton Bay ice runway is not going to open in 2023. I feel like this is another Micah story. We should have just had Micah on (laughs) the show today. So this is the Alton Bay.
0: What lake is this? What lake is it? Lake
3: Winnipesaukee. Oh, bless you. (laughs) Yeah. You guys can't, it's famous. Lake Winnipesaukee in New Hampshire. It's not going to open at all in 2023. Uh, Jason Levitt, the manager of the ice landing field at the Alton Bay. Uh, seaplane base is all uh, says that, that it's all about the weather he said that ice conditions and forecasted weather unfortunately will prevent the ice runway from opening this year he reported on the uh airport's facebook page which is uh goes by the the same name alton bay seaplane base and ice runway uh local news reported that as of the third week of january the lake was not even close to being frozen and they needed at least 12 inches of ice before the ice runway can open uh not opening is not unusual, according to officials, noting that the runway also did not open in twenty eleven, twenty sixteen, and twenty twenty, uh, but hopes do remain high for next year. And on the website, the Facebook page and a video, which is a really nice video, they thanked everybody for the support and look forward look forward to seeing everyone in twenty twenty four. I thought this was pretty cool. Have you guys ever heard of this, the Alden Bay Ice Runway? No. Ice runways, yes,
0: but not the like when he's speaking in lovely beautiful <laughs> yeah. oh micah
3: just yeah. fell back in his chair right now with you trying to pronounce that <laughs> lake Winnipesaki.
0: <laughs> yeah that's what i said It was just the
3: skyping of the of the zoom call that um
1: you know yeah we've had yeah, enough it's... excitement on the on the skyping of zoom things like carlos <laughs> to be fair let's not start tempting <laughs> so it's lake Winnipesaki, yeah
3: oh, oh wow well, <laughs> Okay. Um, <laughs> listen, go to YouTube, not during the show, after the show. Check out some of the videos of people going into this runway. It's pretty cool. It's kind of one of these bucket list items on the East Coast that you check off. Um, you can t- take your Piper Archer or you can take your Cessna and even some bigger airplanes go in there. But you can take it and land on an ice runway and they have a whole a whole setup there that you taxi on ice. And um, I think there's uh, plenty of places to... Um, don't want I to take a,
2: a American Airlines CRJ nine hundred.
3: <laughs> no, no,
2: probably not. No, too indeed,
1: soon. too, too soon, soon. Too soon. Yeah. Yeah,
2: or or simple
1: flying, or just give you that they'll put the picture of a seven three seven eight hundred or something in in, in instead. Oh, uh, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh Matt. naughty boy. I do I do love this picture though because it it is literally you look at it and you can see like little taxiways and all that kind of thing. Every, everything there screams it's a you know an airfield, and then you remind yourself uh it's a frozen lake yeah exactly I, I, in wake yeah it, yeah just incredible
3: yeah boil Love the it. kettle and boil the kettle and knock the kettle of water over Pfft, game over <laughs> and there goes a Cessna 172 right into the drink <laughs> yep. special yeah yep. okay now nah, it's pretty cool go go watch some videos I uh there's some really cool approaches going in there indeed indeed ideal. The d- nice
0: ideal for you
1: Matt when you want your gin you know bit of ice Right. Uh, I mean, it seems like a long way to go for ice. That's the only thing I Uh, would say, certainly from here. (laughs) But anyway. So,
0: next story. Good news. um, If you are uh, on the hunt for a job and you want to be a, uh, well, you want to be a flight attendant on a particular kind of jet, because this one is from PaddleYourOwnCanoe.com. And, uh, yeah, Netflix is on the hunt for flight attendants to work on a fleet of private jets owned by the streaming giant. Blimey, I must pay for their wages yet I mean, with the amount of Netflix subscriptions I have. Uh, Netflix is on the hunt for its very own... Have, hang on, hang, hang, hang on. You have more than one Netflix subscription. No, I have one, one subscription right. utilised by many family members. It, true, true indeed. Yes, agreed. Anyway, <laughs> Netflix is on the hunt for its very own flight attendants to work on a fleet of Gulfstream mid-sized private jets capable of carrying up to 19 passengers. The streaming giant has posted a job ad for flight attendants in its house, uh, in its in-house aviation department, which is based out of San Jose Airport in Northern California. Netflix hasn't offered a specific compensation range for the role, but the lists of overall market, uh, overall market range for the similar positions being uh, between $60,000 and $385,000. Not bad. Imagine paying tax on that on your wages. Um, The final compensation amount will be determined by a wide range of compensation factors, including skills, experience, the company says. Netflix operates a a fleet of private jets for its high-flying senior executives, including the Gulfstream G550, which can cost as much as $41 million dollars for the latest model. Uh, The aircraft has a maximum range of around 12,500 kilometres and the cabin interior can be specced out with comfortable recliner seats or even full-size beds. Hmm. Uh, The Stranger Things maker says the right candidate will be professionally trained in the cabin and passenger safety, as well as aircraft emergency evacuation. Unusually, Netflix doesn't stipulate whether the right candidate should already have experience as a flight attendant, or either a commercial airline in private aviation. The Netflix recruiters are, however, looking for someone with discretion and outstanding customer service skills, as well as someone who is organised enough to purchase all the required food and beverage stock needed for each trip, based on the requirements of the discerning passengers. Blimey, that would be a rum old trip to Lidl's or Aldi. Uh, Netflix flight attendants are trained to FAA standards, and must be comfortable working a varied work schedule with frequent trips across the U.S. as well as internationally. It's... uh Annual Netflix or its annual accounts, Netflix says it permits key executives as well as their family members to use its fleet of corporate aircraft for personal use, a benefit of working for Netflix. Well, I'm in the wrong bleeding job here. Uh, In 2021, co chief executive officer Reed Hastings was responsible for more than $442,000 worth of private jet use. Meanwhile, Chief Operating Officer Greg Peters was responsible for around $308,000 worth of private jet usage. Netflix says the aviation team helps Netflix reach the world more efficiently and effectively so the company can continue to create joy around the world. I mean, joy around the world? Let's be honest, guys, if you're adding that amount of money, yeah. It's a it's a job, isn't it? Armando, why aren't you? you, you I mean, I'm surprised, to be fair, that... Netflix haven't contacted you as in, you know, as in Armando. I mean...
3: Well, I'm not a qualified flight attendant. That, well, to fly the plane. Do uh, you know what? There, there was actually a job advertised for a Netflix pilot position about three months ago. Oh, I'm not going to move to California, though. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Um, this isn't just Netflix. I mean, when you... Most of the big... Fortune 500 companies and and big companies here in the US will have not actually not just here in the US all around the world will have a fleet of private jets you know Procter and Gamble is one that comes to mind they have a whole oh, yeah. fleet of jets think of how many Procter and Gamble products they are so the executives constantly have to visit their distribution facilities their manufacturing suppliers all these things and it's when you're talking about the the time Uh, away from their desk that it would require otherwise, you know, if you have a team of four individuals. So like here in Charlotte, uh, North Carolina, big banking industry. So Wells Fargo has aircraft bank of America have aircraft uh, Lowe's home improvement, have aircraft base here, five Falcons. When you talk about the time that they're saving, um, visiting, you know, using a, a private fleet. So for example, somebody for Lowe's or Home Depot, you can leave at eight a m go hit three stores in one area in the morning, have lunch on the aircraft, hit three more stores in the afternoon, and then you're home by dinner time that That's the kind of uh situation where now it makes sense to have a fleet of aircraft because what is the what is the time worth for these uh corporate suite individuals, especially when you get four or five of them traveling together? To do those trips would, would be a four-day trip, if you did it commercially. But with a, a something like a Gulfstream, like Netflix, you can hit studios, you can hit, um, you know, third-party animation providers, th- you know, services, things like that. You can hit all that in a morning, and and not waste your your corporate suite's uh, time. I'm
0: surprised Nev that the the amount of flying that you do in and around Europe. I'm surprised the company you work for hasn't got a, a private jet that's just just for you?
2: Well, we do have 995 employees across the world in the company. But, um, yeah, I, I don't think uh, the management have got the uh, not in the mood for, for private flying, <laughs> I think, uh, especially in the US when there's, there's so many good, you know, commercial operators anyway. And, you know, um, it, it doesn't really – our firm doesn't really have that that kind of outlook on life, I don't think.
3: Oh, but, well you know well, i think it's it's a little bit different over there because commercial air travel nev i mean for your job you can you can get to what 80 percent of the places that you need to go to for work by going into a either an international or a regional airport yes yes i can yeah yeah see okay. here the the geography here in the us you you may have a manufacturer let's say you're your lows you may have a distributor or a manufacturer that's in uh, Hickory, North Carolina, or it's it, they're in Amarillo, Texas, where the only thing you have is a municipal airport and it would take you a, a full day just to travel there. But it definitely does depend on the company's needs. Yeah.
0: I'll have a word with Stuart next week, Matt, and see what I can do.
1: <laughs> right. See if I can get myself a private chat for work. Right. Yeah, I'm. Sure, I'm sure he'll be. I'm I'll not, give it a go. Yeah. I mean, right. That was of a tax rise of some description. Yeah.
0: I mean, we've got an airfield, an active airfield right next to where I work. I so don't I mean, think
1: yeah. that's the most expensive part about it. I'll be honest. Oh, oh well.
0: <laughs> the thought was there. Anyway, moving yeah. on to the next story, Nev. We cover a story near enough every week, I think, about uh, these, these stylish, posh new cabins that are being... So we thought we'd give you another story this week regarding these.
2: Yes, it's on the aerotime.aero. And uh, these are the top five airline cabin refits to look forward uh, to in 2023 so those of you who enjoy the state of the art when it comes to passenger experience will have quite a few options to try out in the course of the coming months whilst 2022 bought us finnair's innovative and much lauded non-recline air lounge business class seat virgin atlantic's a330 neo glamorous upper class suites and delta's new first class on the A321neo, 2023 certainly won't be falling behind when it comes to cabin revamps. Uh, whilst this is not an exhaustive list here, uh, it's just a, a bit of a, um, a, a taste of, of of what uh, will be coming later in the year. Now, this first one's from Emirates. We've already talked talked about this one on the show previously, but this is possibly the single largest, in dollar terms at least, cabin refit programme to date anywhere in the world. The Dubai-based carrier is spending two billion dollars in a major effort to upgrade the interiors of its entire a380 and boeing triple seven fleets so we're talking about 120 uh, wide-bodied aircraft here in total the massive uh, refurbishment exercise which kicked off in late 2022 is expected to go on until mid 2025 it's already been uh, seen the first refitted a380 delivered and entering service into the first days of this year on the flagship dubai to london route uh, Air France, well, the first of Air France's refitted Boeing 777-300ER aircraft is making its debut, uh, has already done so, actually, last week on January the 20th uh, with a flight between Paris Charles de Gaulle and New York's JFK. This new cabin features a business class um, fitted with 48 seats that have been designed for extra privacy and comfort. The focus of the new Air France business class experience has been placed on what the airline calls the three Fs. Charming. Fully <laughs> flat beds, full access to the aisle and full privacy, thanks to the sliding doors that allow passengers to be out of sight from fellow travel companions. That's my kind of seat, I have to say. Uh, each of these seats is equipped with a 17.3-inch 4K anti-glare screen and a Bluetooth connection that allows passengers to use their own headphones as well. Air France have chosen a palette of cold yet somehow elegant dark blue, grey and white, punctuated by some touches of the airline's corporate red, for a cabin whose air of sobriety and elegance is enhanced by the use of materials such as wool, brushed aluminium and full grain French leather in the finishings. Uh, the French carrier is also expected to roll out its new refresh, refreshed first class product called La Premiere towards the end of this year. On Iberia, uh, the Spanish flag carrier is calling this the A350 Next because the cabin benefits from the latest A350 improvement packages delivered by Airbus. In addition to several aerodynamic improvements, the European aircraft manufacturer has managed to make the walls thinner and the passenger cabin one inch wider than the previous iterations of the A350. Iberia has also removed the overhead bins in the central part of the business class cabin adding to the sense of space. This A350 next features a three class cabin fitted with 31 Ricaro CL6720 lie-flat business class seats, 28 premium economy and 203 economy class seats, all of them across all classes fitted with Panasonic 4K screens. This hardware upgrade has been accompanied by a comprehensive firm-wide program to refresh the whole passenger experience and onboard service, and has also involved an update of crew uniforms and uh, that of the gastronomical offering on board. Lufthansa, we've also talked about this on a previous show. Uh, If all goes according to plan, 2023 may see the rollout of the much-anticipated Allegri, is it Allegri or Allegris, premium class cabin across Lufthansa's long haul fleet. Uh, This cabin refresh programme is part of a comprehensive product and the service upgrade programme through which Lufthansa is planning to invest $2.5 billion all the way through to 2025. Those fortunate enough to fly on the first class suites will enjoy ceiling high privacy walls and the comfort of a metre wide bed and their own wardrobe. The corresponding business class which is already in service in some of the airlines aircraft will be fitted to all remaining long-haul aircraft types in the german airlines inventory it features high uh, higher walls and sliding doors for privacy direct aisle access and seats that can be converted into a two meter long bed economy class passengers will also see improvements namely the extension of a sleeper's row product to all new long-haul aircraft giving people the ability to fold up Leg rests and use an additional mattress for rest and sleeping. Lufthansa Group subsidiary Swiss will also refit its Boeing 777 fleet uh, with its version of this cabin starting in 2025. And finally in this section in 2022, KLM Unveiled its new premium economy class and is said to be preparing at some point this year for the refitting of its Boeing 777 fleet with a new business class product. Sources at the Dutch airline confirmed they are working on a business class revamp but declined to provide any additional details at the time that they were contacted. For this article, Uh, some media reports point to the current 222 business class configuration, which is already showing signs of age, uh, likely to be replaced by a 121 setup. The update would provide every business class traveler direct aisle access as well as increased privacy with individual sliding doors. If confirmed, this would align KLM's uh, Boeing 777 business class experience, not just with that being currently offered by some of its direct competitors, but also with that available on board its own Dreamliner fleet. So there's some serious amounts of money being spent there. My goodness me. Um, But, um, yeah, fascinating. That A350, by the way, on um, when I flew... Now, what was it? Oh, it was on... um, air, that's right they don't have any um overhead bins in the center of the cabin either and it makes it so much more spacious unbelievably so but uh an interesting concept definitely
0: do you think they have a lot of these they're getting very similar now with the designs of the of the various sort of business class kind of setups now a lot, a lot of them are now starting to look very similar between the different airlines or is that just me the the
2: thing is uh, there's only a certain amount you can do isn't there in an Mm. aircraft with with the the weight penalties that go with this stuff as well um you know and i I think you might say although there are differences clearly between all of the different fleets and and different uh, manufacturers and different airlines at the end of the day um this new sort of suite thing has, has come in and there's you know every few years there's something new Happening, but it comes at boy, what what a cost, you know. John John Jester was actually billion dollars, you know.
1: John Jester was saying um, that he he's well, th- basically it was a he see, it felt like it was a rather unusual decision, if you like, uh, taking out the bins makes no sense. The to him overhead space is at a premium already and I, th- I think that's a valid point isn't it i mean i understand i mean the the one you know the i've forgotten which one it was now where, where they'd taken out the ones in the middle there so all it was was uh, you know to give you that idea of space
2: but you know that people will still have stuff they want to sort of get shot off uh yes there is that um, but mm-hmm. um, no i i thought it well Speaking entirely selfishly, because I only carried one small bag onto the plane. Yeah, true. um it, it was. It made it very, very spacious and roomy. Uh, mm. But I do get John's uh, point about it, it. It might restrict a little bit of um, mm. you know, bag, baggy space. So mm. indeed,
0: indeed. Unfortunately, we need to win the lottery to travel like this <laughs> all the time. <laughs> yeah. True. 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 So that was the last in our news stories for this week for commercial news stories. Uh, But we have uh, had some listener feedback, haven't we, guys, from uh, Jake, who's emailed the show this week. And uh, we've got an email here. I'm going to try and read it out without coughing halfway through. Uh, And uh, Jake has written us an email. And uh, he says, uh, just contacting you all, as I thought you might find it interesting. He's uh, been pretty vocal and he that i do i do not think the supersonic stuff will ever take off obviously we were talking about the supersonic aircraft and various stories throughout the last few months on the show he says uh i'm currently studying towards my atpl theory exams and with the joys of brexit changing basically everything in regards to syllabus i thought you might be interested to know that when concord was operating there was course content in principles of flight about supersonic flight but with the demise of concord this was obviously still included but massively reduced well now with the conversation surrounding boom and the future of aviation being potentially supersonic the amount of supersonic content has dramatically increased he says i don't know about you but i find it fascinating that even with what feels like an almost non-starter of an idea the authorities still see it as important for us to focus our attention towards supersonic again. He follows on, in regards to the conversation surrounding boom and my personal beliefs, I if it, if, believes it just doesn't work as there isn't even an appropriate power plant. He says, my lecturer is an aeronautical engineer and designer, and he was telling me that he had a friend working at Rolls-Royce on the supersonic contract that he told me that Rolls-Royce didn't pull out due to lack of feasibility, but more, their contract was only for the initial design stage, and that it had come to an end at the end of their tenure. On a slightly different note, he says, "I recently heard you talking about a flight sim special episode on the show. I just wanted to give my input. When I was initially obtaining my PPL, I was strongly advised not to uh, not to flight sim, as I would pick up bad habits. And it just is a shame, as when you fly light like aircraft, you need to feel it." This is true uh, the inverse of this is that I'm undertaking my ATPL it has been suggested that I use my flight sim not for flying but for familiarisation with the relevant aircraft systems as the aircraft get more complex He says, I find this to be really interesting and is only relevant to study level aircraft, but the principle is still the same and that there is great value to be had from simply knowing where to find specific buttons and understanding how the different functions work. It has been especially evident when discussing radio navigation and how planes actually fly as the notion of flying a holding pattern at VOR can be visually seen on the sim, something that is very useful for myself, who is a kinesthetic learner. Finally, on a lighter note, he's transferring into aviation from a background in the arts, which has sparked a conversation among his peers and lecturers about the transferable skills from different careers as I'm sure you can appreciate... It, as not the most conventional of career transitions, however, it really has become evident that the need to be adaptable, get along with people and be both autonomous and a team player have been massively transferable skills into the aviation sector, especially when there's a conversation about job security. When I've come from an industry with zero job security, so this is nothing new to me and I've already learned to be resilient and have to ro- relocate for work. This raises my question for the show. From your current jobs, those that aren't pilots, what do you think the most transferable skill from your job would be to aviation? Many thanks for the show, he says, as always. And I'm always listening, but I'm just a lurker who listens to the podcast every week but isn't available for the chat room on a Friday
1: that's from jake castle thanks for that jake oh I'm, I'm loving the question by the way so let, let's open that out to the to the rest of the team i mean Amondo, i i feel like you should you're almost like exempt from this for no other reason than you are actually uh, in av- <laughs> in aviation um or, or, or i mean do you have a another skill that you have outside of outside of um uh like the aviation side of things that you that you use on a regular basis in aviation
3: um, well, it, re, despite the fact that I was in a military aviator, there was a lot of military skills regarding leadership, uh, management, risk management, conflict management, communications, um, change management, things like that, that are directly transferable into the cockpit. But I, regarding that question, I am actually more interested in your guys' answers.
1: Yeah, I, suppose, I, I I for me I suppose cuz it's uh, I I mean I I feel like I would give uh I I feel like I would give a really good and very clear uh PA announcement. I feel like I'd be quite good at that. You know, Sort of just sort of, yeah, I feel I'd be very good at that. I don't know if I could do, I, I guess you could argue my, uh, my, my, um, my many years as, uh, running pubs and things like that. Perhaps I might be quite good, uh, with the hospitality side of
3: things in terms
1: of cabin crew, perhaps. Um, but, yes.
3: uh, services, services, service yeah. it's a huge part of our industry, especially in business yeah. aviation. But as we know, even in yeah. commercial aviation, how about you, Nev?
2: Well, I'd like to think it would be uh, listening and having a lot of patience <laughs> and never being in a rush. That's, that's me all over, really. Some of my colleagues that I have worked with, not in my current firm, I have to say, but in uh, other, other times, uh, who are always late for everything and, and they just, you know, compromise whatever they're doing because they're in a rush or they don't listen properly, because they're too busy on transmit very often. So um, for me, I would say that my, I would like to think that I, because I'm a good listener and I do have patience, uh, I would be able to take in quite a lot of information and digest it properly before making a, a decision about something. Even if that means I was holding up the aircraft behind slightly, but at least I was on the correct taxiway. Or i read back the
1: clearance properly, something like that. See, uh, so I, I'm going to disagree with you slightly there, Nev. I'm going to say that with you in charge, certainly perhaps in terms of ground control and things, there wouldn't be a single late aircraft from your airport ever. Yeah. <laughs> well, that is possible, yes. I, I, I can, I, a stickler I for timing is our, Nev. Yes. Yeah.
3: yes well, <laughs> you know, that's a, that's actually a huge part. You know, one of the parts of aviation we never talk about is the operations part of it. The system operations center, the air traffic controllers, the traffic management unit—those um, things are incredibly important. And I, you know, you're kind of joking around about it, but this is an aviation in general question, not maybe not specific to the to the flight deck. And I, I think Nev would be an outstanding operations manager, right? Yeah, Just yeah, yeah. From what what we
1: know. And, and the cable, the cable can... manage, my cable management would be absolutely outstanding, wouldn't it? <laughs> uh, uh, what, before we go to um, Carlos can ask his question. By the way, people in the chat room, we want to hear your um, transferable skills, please. So uh, do get them in the old chat room, and we'll include them oh, in just a I, moment. I'm
2: allowed to have one other one. Oh, all right. Um, yeah, go on. I would equip every single aircraft uh, that I've ever flown on with uh, a proper PA system that has decent. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah yeah just so that my dulcet tones yeah just so that my dose dulcet, dulcet tones could be heard heard clearly of course nev that's what it, it is
2: they are appalling yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah. Appalling. why is and that the one thing that always lets down commercial airliners? is it, is it the, the speakers you would think it was a safety critical item wouldn't you That is it? the pa from the flight deck the the uh, cabin crew, you know, this stuff's important but honestly, generally speaking uh, but the, it's just abysmal, I think.
1: But but the PAs themselves are not normally too bad. I mean when you listen to I mean I'll I'll use um oh I forgot who's the one that that uses the 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 newsreader from the Big Breakfast. I've forgotten the airline. I thought I wanna say um EasyJet, I think um where they use that and like in the speakers in 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 the what is it the the a320 isn't it or the a321 depending on which one you're on um and their voice is lovely and clear you can hear every word like the safety announcement Mm -hmm. and stuff everything's a1 is it something as simple as the microphone they're using in the the cockpit is rubbish
2: well it's it's microphone technique for a start okay um (laughs) don't forget you've got a handset Telephone star thing, and I think the frequency response of of the speakers of and that. amplifiers yeah. is a little bit, you know, not quite where it should be. But it should be an easy win. But again, you know, it's all about weight saving. So so maybe some of the manufacturers <laughs> of these things have taken some of the more important components out to, to make it ara.
1: Our ATC representative, Graham Haley, is suggesting that it's it's not just uh, like the PAs where <laughs> ma- microphone technique is an issue, shall yeah. we? It says it's buffering. Bear with you. And it should be coming back now. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's get some of the uh, the responses in the chat room. Then we'll start with uh, Mazous. He's suggesting that he can drink coffee <laughs> drinking coffee i'm not sure that's uh i'm not sure that counts um what else have we got <laughs> uh, oh hello apg show i feel like this is going to be slightly biased uh, coffee drinking is a very important skill apparently mizuse is saying oh so there we go oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a dirk s is sunning running numbers oh as in ooh. Yeah. oh and, and and i can breathe almost accident free very good right <laughs>
3: And there, there really are some some good ones in the chat room yeah. you know st- staring at screens all day but uh, reporting reporting for a 330 a.m. shift a 4 a.m. shift yep. uh from stuart that's <laughs> i mean <laughs> that's, that's that's a, a very, very important, important,
1: important skill yeah absolutely yeah yeah, yeah,
4: yeah. absolutely uh,
3: grinner has some really good feedback saying that communication is very important uh workload management <laughs> that's something very very important as uh something we teach in crew resource management and crm I think we we have an entire block on communications, an entire block on workload performance. (laughs) Um, Captain Ridiculous uh, Wits is
1: suggesting uh, that he can repair, modify, upgrade any uh, kind of engine mechanically. I am a 12-volt, 24-volt master and could absolutely modernise any old airline cabin. Only problem is I would get in trouble for plane spotting. (laughs) I love that. Uh, <laughs> I think we'd all Carlos, be a guilty of that.
3: <laughs> Carlos, I don't think I don't think we got your answer. What do you what do you think is your most transferable skill? I think it, it that was a,
0: an easy one. Uh, Matt will know what I mean by this, but I think when I when I was learning initially learned to fly many years ago, I was training with two other guys who were a lot younger than me. I will just point that out. Um but they struggle with the RT, you know, the RTC side of things and the radio communication side of things. And I, I strongly believe that I think because of what I, you know, the DJing and the and stuff that I do at the weekends, I think that really helped me be able to just talk clearly, without, speak. speak clearly, clearly speak,
1: yeah, yeah, clearly
0: speak. Know what I was going to say. Say it with no hesitation,
3: straight away. Definitely,
1: hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, I'll give you that. Yeah. Well,
3: I know that Nev has some uh responses that he sent back to Jake. I know uh, for for me there was two points that I picked out of his feedback and um, one of them was the the career changer, the the diversity that people bring to aviation is one of the most interesting parts. And it's one of the most fun parts of aviation. And one of the things that I wrote back to Jake is, is whether it's in the airlines and corporate, sometimes you're stuck in the same pressurized tube with the same person for anywhere from a couple hours to a couple days to even a couple weeks on the corporate side of the house. You may be flying with the same individual. And the the most interesting individuals that I've flown with are those that have either reinvented themselves every couple of years or that are career changers. They have incredibly diverse backgrounds. And to be honest, sometimes it's it's nice to be up there and not talk about airplanes. You, you want to get to know the other person. And so, for example, this current job that I'm in flying, the Hawker, uh, the guy that I fly with, worked for a large grocery store chain here in the U.S. He worked for Publix. For over 20 years, he rose through the ranks from basically a stock boy all the way up to a store manager. Mm -hmm. Um, And I love talking to him about his experience and his career. And then we generally kind of link it into how does that apply to aviation. But when I was flying at the airline, that really made the time go by when you had another interesting person in the other seat and you actually had something to talk about on your layovers you know cuz when you land you've done the whole day now you're going to go out to dinner i don't i love airplanes but i don't want to talk about airplanes 24/7 <laughs> and and it's and it's so much nicer to have a uh, an educated conversation or a fun conversation getting to know somebody at at dinner um and, and and career changers really make the most in, interesting individuals. Um, also, the companies want to know that when you when you interview, um, say that that pip um, feedback real quick. But when you interview at a company, that's what they want. When you interview at a, at a, at an airline, they're looking for the individual. They're looking for the background that they bring. They're looking for those transferable skills that you bring to the company, to the flight deck. And they don't want just a pilot. They want somebody that's gonna represent the company. And if you're coming from another career, you've proven yourself in another career and you have something to show for it, it makes your interview more interesting and it makes you more likely to be hired than someone who just came up through the ranks, you know, and is a twenty three year old with no life experience. Now that is a path, right? Like because they're in it, they're they're fighting. They're in the heat of battle right from day one. But but really, the best interviews, the interviews that I've done, are are the ones that are you you bring a person to the interview, not just these canned flying answers. Um, and my second point was regarding the simulator thing. Um, I kind of agree with his email that perhaps not in flight, uh, primary flight training. I, I think it can be negative reinforcement if you don't if you haven't built those habits yet to practice to go practice on a home flight simulator, but once you get into instrument flying, um, it, it's, it can be invaluable. Uh, I would recommend doing it under supervision with an instructor first or somebody that's, that's a certified in whatever rating that it is that you're going for, but flying instrument approaches can be, invaluable, doing holds, like like he was saying. Um, there's even some add-ons to both Microsoft Flight Simulator and Pilot Edge. If you're struggling with the communication, which is the three the, the three of you said communications, right? It is very important. But that is one of the hardest things in, in aviation when you transition to flying. And there are some programs like Pilot Edge. We had them on the show right before Oshkosh uh, last year. The you can get online and fly these approaches, get your, your IFR clearances, get your IFR routing, uh, do your instrument approaches, and, and really get comfortable at twenty nine ninety nine a month as opposed to $200 an hour trying to do it in the air. And even myself, so when I'm flying into challenging airports, when you're talking about uh, Teterboro, <laughs> the famous Teterboro Rudy 6 departure, um, when you're talking about some of these Class B airports that have complex uh uh terminal arrival standard terminal arrival route stars and and instrument departures sids uh, they, there's a lot of step downs and stuff i'll i'll pre-fly that on x-plane um in, a, in an airplane that's representative of the one that i fly but i like to feel prepared going into the into the day and a lot of times that's what i do with my home simulator is i'll, I'll practice those kinds of sids stars and approaches um from my end so uh, it can be really really valuable positive training if you have the right habits already um and have you had some thoughts to to Jake's email too right
2: yeah uh, and i i just think he came up with some really interesting um points there and um uh, i i think that um well the the one the thing i was going to bring up was the supersonic travel thing really but um i i still think that is a as a way off and you know it's it's just not going to be feasible for the average person, a bit a bit like Concord was in, in, in the old days, you know. But uh, no, I, I think that um, he makes some really interesting points and uh, no, very much appreciate your feedback, uh, Jake. Thanks ever so much indeed for, uh, for writing all that down and sending it in to us.
0: Yeah, thank you, Jake. Very much appreciate that as well. And don't forget, if you want to send in some feedback to us here on the show, there'll be details on how you can do that at the end of the show with the email address because we would love to hear from you um Matt's just popped up on the screen there just in case you didn't already know you should already know all of you about it, but we'll no- mention that at the end of the show yeah
1: th- those listening on on youtube it is uh, sorry and, and and the audio version it's podcast at plain that's podcast at plain talking exactly so on the show We get some rather interesting
0: requests from various companies, institutions and pilots and people within the aviation industry. But every now and again, we get an email into the show from something completely different. And uh, we got an email, well, a few months back.
1: And uh, Nev,
2: who was that email from? It was from the government. I thought, oh, no. <laughs> what yeah. have we done now? You know, but, my immediate uh, reaction was, "What has Carlos done yeah, now?" Well, that was more yes. spam email. We needn't have worried. Um, we were approached by the Transport Select Committee uh, to do an interview with them, and um rather than me telling you all about it, uh, why don't we just play it out? I'll go and put my tie on, and then you can uh, have a listen. To it. <laughs> Well, I've been looking forward to this next segment of the show for a couple of weeks now, but transport's always a major topic for discussion amongst our listeners, whether it's in the field of aviation, which is our main interest, of course, or sustainable fuels for cars, cycle lane construction, new railway lines, you name it, almost any aspect really well today i'm joined by ian stewart who's the member of parliament for milton keen south and also the chair of the cross-party transport select committee in the uk parliament ian warm welcome to the plain talking uk podcast and thanks very much for coming on the show today
4: thank you very much it's a great pleasure to join you
2: Fantastic. Well, I'm really interested to hear about your new initiative that your committee has announced called Our Future Transport. So could you tell our listeners a little bit about it?
4: Certainly. Um, First of all, select committees have uh, an important role to do in in scrutinising the work of governments, of operators and all sorts of participants in different uh, sectors. Uh, And that's uh, absolutely not wanting to shy away from that. But I think select committees also have an important role to contribute to the the general debate on future policy uh, and to to look forward to and make constructive uh, comments and uh, suggestions. Um, And and what I'm keen to do with this inquiry, our future transport, uh, is to try and look ahead at some of the, what you might call, disruptors uh, that are coming. Uh, In terms of transport, that might be new technology. uh, It might be a change in passenger demand or freight demand uh, that that we need to start preparing for. Uh, So what we've done is we've invited uh, initially anyone who's got a a suggestion uh, for an inquiry to submit a short uh, written application. And from that, we'll draw up a short list uh, of uh, of peaches to come in front of us in in a sort of Dragon's uh, Den-style session. Uh, I'll leave you, your viewers and listeners, to judge which dragon I I may or may not be. Um, And from that, we'll choose uh, a small number to do a full inquiry into. So I don't know what's going to come, and that's the whole point of it, uh, that we really sort of horizon scan. Uh, and and look at what might be appropriate for us to to look at.
2: Yeah, fascinating. Well, are you looking for uh, specific for future ideas, or will you also take evidence regarding current issues and challenges?
4: This this specific inquiry is looking ahead, uh, because we've got a number of inquiries underway uh, on a whole range of matters. So, you know, current issues are, you know, by and large, being being covered, although you know, we always keep an eye out on what else uh, we might do. But it's specifically looking at, uh, as I say, these disruptors. Uh, if I can put, you know, give an example, if we'd run this inquiry 15 years ago, it would be someone saying, by the way, self-driving vehicles uh, are, are going to become a major thing in the future. You need to start thinking about it. It's that kind of, uh, you know, a disruptor to what, you know, might be regarded as conventional uh, transport planning
2: interesting well can any members of the public offer ideas regarding these future transport initiatives rather than subject matter experts and specialists for-
4: yes indeed it's uh, the, the, there's an application form on the, the transport uh, uh, committee website Uh, The the deadline is the 6th of February. So it's a a relatively short window uh, to make the initial uh, declaration of interest. Uh, But at this stage, we're not looking for war and peace uh, or or a finalised proposal. It's a short, I think up to 500 words, uh, broad outline uh, of what you would like to to put forward. And as I say, from those, I have no idea whether we'll get six or 6,000 applications uh, we'll draw up a short list uh, to come in front of the committee over the next uh, couple of months, uh, as I say, to do this a sort of Dragon's Den style pitch. And then from that, we'll, we'll choose a, a small number to do formal inquiries into
2: yeah fantastic well in terms of i mean gathering ideas from the public, I mean our viewers and listeners are never short of uh, ideas and suggestions I'm sure, but how is actually that going to work? Do they have to go to the website um, uh, on the transport committee's website in order to uh, to do that?
4: Yes, yeah, so the, so the forum's on there um, with further information about how how to apply. I think the the committee of also the, the staff have tweeted about it. so It's all out there in the public uh, domain, and we're proactively uh, contacting uh, you know, different publications uh, and organisations who who you know, potentially have an interest in this field.
2: Sure. Um, just one question: Do you have to be a UK citizen in order to participate?
4: Now, that is a good question. Uh, I don't think exclusively, um, you know, so if there's an international body uh, that that wants to submit an idea, uh, it has to relate to the United Kingdom, because the the work of the Transport Committee is to look at the United Kingdom's uh, transport uh, uh, policy and agenda. Uh, So as long as there's that connection, um, you know, we're, we're happy to look at all sorts of ideas.
2: Yeah, we've got quite a international reach for our podcast, that's for sure. And a lot of those people do travel in the UK quite regularly, so they may well have an opinion or um, some suggestions. Uh, as and it, well. it,
4: might <laughs> be, it might be an idea that, you know, in aviation, it might be some you know, airspace modernisation technology uh, that, that's coming, uh, you know, that obviously would have an impact here and abroad.
2: Yeah. Is this the first time this kind of initiative has really happened? I really can't remember anything quite like this before where you've asked for some specifics, you know, from the public.
4: It's the first time the Transport Committee's done it. Um, I can't claim originality of, of, or ownership of the idea. I, I quite shamelessly pinched it from the Science and Technology Committee, uh, which uh, has run over the last couple of years on my science uh, uh, in, in inquiry. So the, the concept's not original, but it's the first time in, in the transport sphere.
2: That's fantastic. So just remind our listeners again, the deadline for the submission of ideas?
4: It's the 6th of February, so a couple of weeks time uh, to get those initial suggestions in. Um, And then it really depends how many we get, how long it will take us to uh, process those uh, and then invite uh, the shortlist to come forward uh, and and meet the, the committee in person.
2: Yeah, absolutely fascinating. Well, Ian, thank you very much indeed for your time today.
4: It Pleasure. sounds like a
2: fantastic initiative, and may I wish you all the very best with it.
4: Thank you very much. Pleasure to talk to you. Wow, Nev.
2: Well, I that, that was, was
0: that was uh, that was definitely different to what we've uh, done on the show before. But I tell you what, there's some interesting points made there, and I suppose if you have got a, an opinion on how you think these sh- things should be um, done, this is the opportunity to. Well, so also, share your well thoughts. Their,
2: their take, they want to take uh, evidence and information from members of the general public as well. And if, if they consider them, you know, worthy, then you can get the chance to go in. So on the screen now is the website, uh, and we'll put that in the show notes as well. And you have until the 6th of February to send your immediate suggestions. Just 500 words is what's being asked for. And uh, I've also put that in the uh, the chat room as well. So uh, mm. go over to that and uh, do your best.
1: Indeed. And if you're listening to the audio version of the show, I'll do my very best to to say it out loud for you. Basically, you need to go to committees.parliament.uk forward slash work forward slash 7200 forward slash R da, O U R dash future dash transport R dash future dash transport. So it's uk forward slash work forward slash 7200 forward slash R dash future dash transport. And as Nev says, the, those details will be in the show notes attached to this very podcast.
0: So it's time for the next part of the show, military aviation time. So we're going to hand things over to Armando.
3: Well, now that we have the government transition... By the way, uh, Dirk is asking, it's nice of them to approach us. How did they learn about us, PTUK? Don't know, actually. Number one aviation podcast in the UK. Why wouldn't you? woo <laughs> <on? laughs> <Yeah, laughs> Anyways. You've officially made Carlos' day. <laughs> Let's go from Parliament right to... Oh, I don't have a quippy segue. Let's just let's just hit the button. Bus stop buggy's 13550 Angels 16.
4: Okay. Buggies.
3: Okay, the venerable Lockheed Martin F-16 Block 70 has its first flight at the Greenville facility. This flight occurred on January 24, 2023 at 9.17 in the morning with test pilots Duane Pro, Opella, and Monessa Siren is our call sign at the uh, Siren Balzier at the helm of the aircraft. Total flight time was approximately 50 minutes and included some airworthiness checks, such as engine flight control and fuel system checks, as well as basic aircraft handling. Their F-16 Block 70 jet is the first of 16 jets to be de- delivered to Bahrain. Six countries have selected the Block 70-72 or slash 72 aircraft, in addition to the current official backlog of 128 jets uh, that are to be built in Greenville. Uh, Jordan, the country, last year signed a letter of offer and acceptance for eight jets and last week signed an additional LOA for four more jets. Lockheed Martin has received a contract to begin Jordan's long lead activities. Bulgaria has also signed an LOA for an additional eight jets. Well, once these are finalized, the backlog will increase to 148 jets. Um, So as you guys know, uh, the F-16 is a long-running aircraft. We've seen some recent upgrades to the F-15 with the F-15EX. Now the Block 70 F-16 is going to some partner nations. All in all, there's about 3,000 F-16s operating in about 25 different countries. Uh, Approximately 19.5 million flight hours and 13 million sorties flown by F-16s. Now, uh, as you guys can imagine, the Block 70 features some advanced avionics, Some uh, new radars, modernized cockpit, new safety features, advanced weapons, uh, fuel tanks that are shaped a little bit differently, improved engine performance, uh, all that kind of stuff that you would think goes into an upgraded aircraft. But I just think it's super cool. With all these F-35s, F-22s, 5th Gen, 6th Gen fighters, all this stuff, the F-16 still remains one of the world's favorite fighter aircraft. So we will continue to see them in the skies uh, for probably another you know 20 million flight hours over the next <laughs> however many years that they are the new B52 two. I'm there. yeah yeah well, i mean how many fighter jets do you know have been in service for that long not not a lot you know the yeah. F15 and the F16 i think came out around the same time you know somewhere in the in the 80s or so and uh they i think are going to keep going for decades and decades but um speaking of F16s and airplanes for decades and decades, Carlos, this is an airplane that has been around for a couple thousand years, right? The next, what the, uh, that's what the UFOs. Yeah. Don't you watch any of the sci-fi shows? They've been thousands. I
0: I was, I was a big fan. I'll have, you know, of the X-Files with Gillian Anderson many years ago. Probably more for Gillian Anderson than the... Pro- but anyway, I was a big fan of the X-Files uh, series, watched them all, loved them, and
3: UFOs... Wait, sorry, hold on. Don't okay. you think your wife looks a little bit like Gillian Anderson? Do you know what? That's... The- Did you hear that, dear?
0: She can't hear me. Oh, We're well. <laughs> in <wearing> your boat. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, this story comes from Flight Global. She'll listen later, trust me. Uh, This comes from Flight Global, and newly reported UFO display unusual flight performance capabilities uh, from U.S. intelligence, this is. U.S. government investigators have determined that many reported unidentified aerial phenomena, or UAPs, commonly known as UFOs, are just normal airspace clutter. Mm. However, the Office of the Director of National Intelligence in a 12th of January report also notes an unspecified number of reports capture extraordinary flight characteristics that required uh, additional investigation. Leading that effort into in uh, from the Pentagon uh, as their All-Domain Anomaly Resolution Office, or AARO, uh, Catalog some 247 new sightings of UAPs since March 2021. The analysis also included an additional 119 older reports of incidents not previously analyzed. And of those 366 events, intelligence officials say 53%, or 195 reported incidents, were normal aerospace material. Yeah, right, whatever. Uh, 26 appeared to be unmanned aerial uh, air vehicles or UAVs, while 163 were balloons or balloon like entities. The ODNI investigation found the remaining six sightings are classified as clutter, which can include birds, weather events or airborne debris, such as plastic bags. Ah, yes, the old plastic bag in the air. It's one of those things that looks like a UFO straight away. However, an unspecified number of the remaining 171 uncharacterized UAPs are apparently worthy of some remark. Some of these uh, uncharacterized UAPs appear to have demonstrated unusual flight characteristics or performance capabilities. And many of the reports ...from military aviators in the US Navy and US Air Force and a handful of videos released by the US Navy in 2020 show naval pilots tracking UAPs visually and with onboard sensors. In one video, two aviators described the craft as freely rotating and flying easily against the wind at high altitude... Boeing F-18 pilots who spoke to the news programme 60 Minutes back in 2021 described encountering aircraft with no visible propulsion that executed a controlled descent of almost 24,400 metres in a few seconds, or 80,000 feet. One possible explanation for the anomalies is an advanced experimental aircraft being developed by the US military. Well, we know this because we saw it on Top Gun Maverick at the first part of the film. Uh, The Pentagon officials with the AARO last December said the military is setting up a mechanism to clear UAP sightings with the potential presence of such experimental aircraft. However, the alternative possibility that UAPs displaying such advanced flight characteristics are actually aerospace platforms belonging to adversaries such as China or Russia has raised alarm in the Pentagon and U.S. Congress. Well, well, as we know, obviously, we've seen the latest um, from the Skunk Works, as I said, on the on the start of the Top Gun Maverick film. So we know that's, you know, there. And obviously the film with, uh, what was that film from back in the 80s that had the uh, the SL-71 take off? You remember Armando?
3: Oh, I was going to say Starman, but that's probably not it.
0: No, no, it wasn't that. It was, oh, I forget the name of the, the guy who was um, the main character in that now. The guy well- from the
3: Western films. Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood. That's it. Well, listen, while while you're trying to figure this out, I'm going to go I'm going to commend the chat room for being on my side because based on the chat room comments, Nev has just volunteered that when these UAPs, UFOs, whatever you want to call them land on Earth, I am going to volunteer Nev to be the first to uh Give us some feedback on their cabling systems inside their craft, on their seats, the comfort of the seats, the seat pitch, all those things. Uh, I'm just going to volunteer him because he's such a fan of military.
2: Oh, I would be happy think- to do that. Yes, absolutely.
0: <laughs> uh, thank thank you to Grinner and Hobby Time. It was Firefox.
3: You must have seen that film. I'm doubt. I remember Firebirds. That was the Apache movie. Armando,
0: you haven't seen can we just say that is this live on there? Firefox. You haven't seen the film Firefox. I did a
3: good web browser, but that was about it, wasn't it? Yeah, that's all I know it from. Yeah. <gasps> okay, okay, I'll add it to the list. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway. Anyways. Uh I think we we talked about some UFOs. It, this got really big news last year when these when these Navy pilots got on uh, 60 minutes and started talking about their experiences it does it does say something that the government you know created an office to inquire about these things i don't know we'll, we'll review it if it's got wings i'll fly it i'll try
0: it it was a 1982 film mind you you're, you're a young man now Amanda. you probably oh, not
3: paying attention to us isn't he <laughs>
0: <laughs> sorry
3: it was a damn yeah. good film, I think, personally. But All anyway. right. I'll add, I'll add it to the
0: list. Add it to your list. Add it to your list. Anyway, moving on to the next part of the show, because um we we've got still got a squeeze in the caption is competition for this week. And uh this week's caption this, the picture, I think it was you, Amanda, when it? You you uh kind of pushed this picture into the mix this week.
3: Yeah, did this did it did come across my feed. <laughs> so So the picture we'll explain in just a moment we
0: have had some very good comments on this picture just so for the benefit of those watching or listening i should say to the show in audio world um armando you're probably the best person to explain this picture
3: well it's definitely well according to the news this would be a airbus a320 no just kidding Um, So this is a 747. It's Air Force One, one of the older Air Force Ones, and it's apparently out to sea on a barge somewhere. I imagine it was only getting taken to a museum. Uh, But if you can imagine the scene, calm scenes, clear skies, 747 sitting on top of a barge at sea. So, Carlos, why don't you take us through the trip that is the, the comments for this one? Right. So we had some great ones this
0: week, as always. And uh, we'll kick off with John, who says, Donald Trump takes last trip in Air Force One. President Biden waved off the flight and sang, We're going to get you on a slow boat
3: to China. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Says Boeing's comment to SpaceX anything you can do, I can do better. Lovely, <laughs> uh, Nev.
2: Why don't you take Gareth's comment? Uh, yes, Gareth says uh, this is the set of the rival show plane sailing podcast. Oh, <laughs>
1: very
2: good. Uh, some guy called
1: Armando said hydroplane. Uh, John says keep the blue side down.
3: Mm. <laughs> Probably a good idea. Yeah, yeah, let's see. Mark said that's the sorted. That's sorted the carbon footprint, Ms. Mr. President. <laughs> uh,
2: Kevin, who I know quite well, uh, says, Joe, I said take Air Force One and vote, not boat. <laughs>
1: uh, Bob says, low and slow. That's how you stay under the enemy radar.
3: Ooh, that's a good one.
1: <laughs> and Chris says, Boeing have finally t- or solved
0: the
3: wide bodied seaplane design. Bill says, the captain speaking, how long until we. Rich VR or rotate <laughs> speed. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: but it says uh, Air Force Wonderbarg. Uh, Wonder
4: Barge. <laughs> yes,
1: <laughs> I say. Uh Chris has come back with another go. He says, good job this boat was here for the emergency landing. <laughs> he done well to get it on there. Jeez.
0: Uh, James says, I'll bet you a million dollars I can get a 747 from here to Hawaii without even starting the engines. Joe's lost his mind. All right, Joe, a million it is. Easiest million I'll ever make. <laughs> Damn it. Huh? Quite.
3: James says, "Show me you're rich without telling me
2: you're rich." <laughs> I like uh, that D- one. David says, uh, "The new presidential yacht." Oh, well,
3: classy!
1: I mean, there's, there's something to be said for that. To be fair, Neff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Steve is saying, "And you thought Sully was the king of water landings? I didn't even get on the wings wet." No.
0: <laughs> uh, Dari says, "This is U.S. Navy's newest stealth aircraft carrier. It's very hard to detect." due to its
2: size hmm. Alan says V1 Flotate <laughs> uh, Bill says Air fast 1 or is it Bargey 1 As in onion bargey, what sort of?
1: (laughs) And finally, uh, from the uh, Facebook page, anyway. For now, James says when your barge is underpowered, simply tell someone to hold your beer, strap a seven four seven to it, fire up those GE engines, and presto, instant speed barge. (laughs) I tell you what, that would get a rum speed up if you uh, fire those engines up. (laughs)
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: indeed. Yeah, all four of them certainly. Yeah. There's, yeah.
3: there's some good ones in the chat room. I'm going to go with Mazuz Karim who says, "Captain Sully, eat your heart." <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Love that one. Uh, Richard Adams is saying, "Sea toll."
1: not sure what to do with that one Uh, Nick Coddling (laughs) is saying just because Carlos said you could land on it on the carrier in the sim didn't mean you should actually do it (laughs) you can actually do that on X-Plane what? okay fair enough (laughs) Richard Adams says POTUS of the Caribbean (laughs) oh very good I think that's my new favourite Dirk S is saying cost cuttings due to high fuel prices finally reaches the POTUS (laughs) Um, Um, Our main man, Micah, says new VC-25
0: delays cause presidential transport
1: delays. (laughs) Nice. I like that one. Any more for any more? Uh,
0: Captain Cruise. Uh, Captain Cruise says that's an evergreen international 747 that went on the Potomac to National
1: Harbour. Oh, okay. That's, uh, oh, that's actually actually a serious that's an answer. All oh, right, so actual actual factual <laughs> I, actual I it, factual. There. I think that wasn't funny, but it wasn't supposed to be. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. Okay. That works. There we go. There we are. That's our caption competition then for this week. Well done, and thank you to everyone getting involved in that one. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. We'll have another
0: one ready for you on our Facebook page next Wednesday. Indeed. So if you Indeed. don't already follow us on Facebook, give us a little follow on there and a like as well while you're there
1: yeah absolutely there we go
0: that is where we're gonna wrap up episode 442 of the show nev for the benefit of those who just may have forgotten because obviously all the beer they've consumed while watching the show (laughs) where can they find us in the old world of social medias.
2: Yes, if you're into social media, it's Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search for Plain Talking UK. Uh, our WhatsApp number for the studio is plus forty four seven five seven two two four nine one six six. And you can email the show, podcast at plaintalkinguk.com. com. Uh, if you can subscribe to our YouTube channel, you'll get notifications of when we go live. And you can help shape the conversation of the show by joining us in the chat room. Just go to YouTube.com and search for Plain Talking UK. Don't forget, also on our website, there's an Amazon link. So if you do your shopping through Amazon uh, and click on that link, we get a small referral fee. Also on the website is the uh, Patreon uh, method of helping support the show and the PayPal method as well. So that's all on PlainTalkingUK.com.
0: Yes, and we hope to hear from some feedback, some more feedback from listeners. We'd love to hear from you what your thoughts are, and what's affecting you in the world of aviation around the world. We'd love to hear from you. So uh, send us an email, asap. We'd love to hear from you. So that's about all the time we've got. Four round, or round We'll do a quick round robin before we go because obviously everyone's really busy. Nev, you're not here this uh, next week, but uh, all for busy, the ne-
1: yeah. all for the next like five yes. weeks, I think. I- <laughs> <I'm>
2: off- <laughs> On to our exhibition time. So over in Barcelona, starting Sunday. Uh, so I shan't be back for next Friday, unfortunately. And then uh, the week after that, I'm off to Dallas and uh, Portland, Oregon. Ooh, uh, trip reports. So I may be away for a little while, but I'll do my best to try and contribute wh- whenever I can.
3: Armando, what are you up to next week? Oh man, if that's not going to be on the show, that means I have to be here for four weeks straight. And... Oh yes. Uh, Unfortunately, I got a whole lot of nothing going on. I'll I'll be in San Antonio this week, but that's just for a a family trip. I have no flying other than what. Suppose if I take the cub up or something. What? Why? (laughs) Yeah, taking just taking a break from flying this week. Nice. Wow. Okay.
0: Well, I'm supposed to go to Vegas. You've been there fifteen times this week. Carlos, what are you you up to? Well, funnily enough, Monday I'm going on a job Monday afternoon and evening. To London Heathrow. Oh, okay. I'm actually going airside at London Heathrow with the truck. <laughs> wow. Okay. Good luck with that. Yeah. So that'll be fun. I'm <laughs> looking forward to the logistics that are going to be involved in that happening. So yeah. that'll be
1: that'll be if you hear Monday that Heathrow is shut down. Right. Good. Lovely. Be my fault. <laughs> that that could, that could make next week's show a bit of a challenge, couldn't it? I with know. The, yeah. Sort of
0: like taking off. What are you up to next week? Are you. Uh,
1: uh, no, just just working, yeah, just working wine? It.
0: Yeah, yeah, just working oh, Good, yeah. good, good good. Well, that's it then for episode 442 of the show Thanks everyone for tuning in as always Thanks to all our audio listeners as well And uh, have a great weekend Whatever you're up to From me, Carlos, here in the home studio From Matt in the PTUK, Master Suite Studios From Nev, have an awesome trip Nev And enjoy oh. yourself, take care And from Armando at home Across the pond We'll see you all next Friday. Have a great weekend and goodbye. Say goodbye, everyone.
1: Bye-bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.